Welcome to the Door to Peace podcast. Are you longing for a greater sense of peace? Get ready to experience the transforming power of God. Your heart and soul will be touched. You'll learn to hear God knocking at the door, to invite him in, and live with a peace that surpasses all understanding. Welcome to the Door to Peace podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Tom Stephan. I'm the pastor at Monte Vista Presbyterian Church. And I am so excited that today you will find peace. That's our whole purpose in doing this Door to Peace podcast is that you will discover the peace that you're looking for. So I'm super glad that you're listening and over the top excited to introduce you my friend and a woman who has had a tremendous impact in my life personally uh, of what it means to live out the Christian faith in a very um, simple and dramatic way. Those two words make sense when you get to know Nita Hansen, because simple and dramatic are, seems to be what God has given her in her life. So Nita, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. I'm glad to be here. It's great to see you. Um, so I thought Nita, we would start off just in our conversation. Uh, if you could just share a little bit about yourself, just let people know who are listening who may have never met you or what you do. Um, just give a brief kind of explanation of who you are and what you're doing. Well, I'm just an ordinary person. Um, I used to say all the time to people who would try to get me to go on a mission trip, I don't do missions. I think God has a wonderful sense of humor. And now I've been doing missions for over 26 years. Uh, went to Ukraine. And God just grabbed my heart there for the people that no one wanted. And we've been working 26 years and trying to touch their lives for him. It is, you say the word Ukraine, and you and I met over 20 years ago. Most people at that point probably didn't know where Ukraine was. But today they do. Mm -hmm. um, Ukraine has been so present in the news and so present in terms of what's going on in the world. Um, and you, so how long have you been in Ukraine? 26 years. So you've been there for 26 years. Um, just so people get a little bit of background, can you tell a story or two of how you ended up being in Ukraine for 26 years? How'd that develop? Well, I went over there for three weeks, and while I was there, I just knew from the, almost the moment I stepped on Ukraine soil that this is where I was supposed to be. So after the, I came back to the States, I found out there was a one-year program, and I signed up for that, and I thought, well, I can do one year. Um, I wasn't in Ukraine two months before I knew God said, you're going to go back. And I think it started with the orphanages and just going there and seeing kids, little newborn babies being fed with a bottle propped up on a blanket. Uh, nobody ever picked them up and held them. Um, they actually told me at one point I was being cruel to the kids because I was giving them the expectation that they would be loved. So you're saying in the institutions in Ukraine where, where kids were abandoned um, that they didn't hold them? No. At all? No. Only to pick them up and change their pants. They would hold their little hiney under a cold water faucet to clean them off and then put them back in the bed. There was no stimulation there, no nothing. What was that like the first time you realized that and you were in the rooms where the babies were? Oh, I, I, I guess I've just, you know, the naive American, and I just thought, well, I'm going to get a rocking chair, and I'm going to bring it in here, and surely if they have a rocking chair, they'll sit down, hold the babies, and rock them. 
That was funny. I, I scoured the whole city. I found this huge monstrosity of a rocking chair, and I took it in there. And uh, next time I came back, I found out they'd given it to the older kids to play on. Oh, so you in, you went into the, the what are they called baby rooms? Yeah. Like, yeah, they went into the baby rooms, um, and you held the babies, and you realized it was such a need, so you got a rocking chair, and they just gave it away. Mm-hmm. So what happened out of that? Like, how did... How did God continue to work in your life in that way? Uh, I think over the years, you know, in the beginning, it was very, very difficult. And they used to kind of threaten me that I couldn't come back because when I left, all the children cried. And I said, well, you should be thankful they cry because it's when they don't cry anymore that you need to worry. So over the years, I've seen changes. Now they hold the kids more. They play with them more. And it's very different than it was when I first went over there. As you've been about the work of God's hidden treasures, um, when did you feel that or sense that God was calling you to do more, like more formally, as opposed to doing more than just simply being there? How did that develop? I think it just evolved, Tom. I mean, I've never, uh, I never went over to Ukraine with an agenda, mm-hmm. and it was just God said to go, so I went, and I had, He had already put me in the orphanages, and I'd already experienced walking around the city and people just falling down in front of me. Um, and, and the people in the Ukraine would just step over them like they didn't exist. And I, when I, when I went back for my second year, I knew that God said I was supposed to work with people like that. So I just kind of started just, just going to the orphanages and I found one and that led to a second one and that led to a third one, finding the people on the streets. And then I, uh, actually I came home as I was sick. And I just thought, what could I do? Because I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. So I thought I'll just make some phone calls, see what I can get for Ukraine. And I thought maybe I'll ask for some some wheelchairs. Uh, I know some kids in the orphanages that need wheelchairs. And out of that, uh, I got somebody on the phone that said, oh, you probably need 250 wheelchairs. And I said, oh, I do. But I had no idea what I was going <laughs> to do with them. But if they were going to give them to me, I was going to take them. And so it just kind of evolved like that. Over time, every every single step of God's hidden treasures, God has opened the door. It has not been me. So every time you just say yes, something else happens. Mm-hmm. Like you begin the process of that. Have you always been like that? Like did you basically kind of your whole life always kind of trusting God, always listening to his voice? No. <laughs> so just for those who don't know your experience, how'd that develop for you? How did your life come to... Uh, being at a place where you're willing to make phone calls for Ukraine to get 250 chairs. Maybe share a little bit about how that developed for you. Well, if you want me to go way back, you know, I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't love God, but I always wanted more from him, and I didn't really have a relationship with him, so it didn't really affect my day-to-day life. But I was still seeking and wanting And I just had that emptiness inside. No matter what I tried, I would always come back to that. So it was, you know, look for relationships. That works for a while, and then that's not enough. There has to be more. And then it's, okay, well, maybe if I get a better job or get a promotion or this, and that's exciting for a while, and then that starts to wear off. And every time you end up back in that same place of being empty. So I think after... I was about 40 years old. I just reached the point saying, I, I don't see that life is really worth living that much if there's not more 
than always going in this circle of coming back to that place of emptiness. And that's when I really started searching for the Lord. And I remember coming across a book I read called Power and Praise by Merlin Carruthers. Hmm. And in there, I read that it, about surrendering your life to control of your life to Jesus Christ. And I remember sitting there thinking, I feel so stupid. I've been in church so much of my life, and I don't remember anybody telling me that I needed to do that. And then I got scared. It was like, well, if I do that, what's God going to take away from me? So when you heard the word surrender, what did that mean to you? Like when you read about that in the book, what, what, what's, what stood out to you? Surrender to me means that I give complete control of my life to someone else. So that was the first time you had heard when reading that book, I'm giving God everything. I'm giving him everything because keeping a hold of it myself didn't work very well. And this is when you were 40. Mm -hmm. So you've spent a lot. Of, so what happened? Like, what did you do? I spent two days counting the cost. Uh, so I'm like, I came up with three things. Um, all my life, my family had moved around a lot. So I never really felt like I belonged anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I had been in Thousand Oaks for quite a while. And I finally felt like I belonged in a community. So first thing was God was going to, send me out away from Thousand Oaks area. Uh, second thing, I had my daughter and my grandchildren, and I was afraid that God would take them away from me. And the last thing was, I was afraid God would send me to Africa. But see, that represented mission. So those were the three things. And I actually struggled with it for two days. Could, could I do this? What if, you know, what if God did take all those things away from me? And I just finally came to a place that I don't care what you take. How, how did you know to count the cost? I didn't. I just knew that I, I needed to because how could I surrender if I didn't know what the cost was? That's amazing. I mean, because most people don't count the cost. Most people, when they want to say yes to God, they're saying yes to God because they, they need something. Like, you know, they're, they're praying. They, mm -hmm. like they have cancer or I'll give you my life if you heal me from cancer. But this was something different. Your need was to not have emptiness. To not have that. I didn't want to come back to that empty place. There had to be more to life than just constantly striving for something different. And then that, after a while, then you need something different again and again and again. Was there, was there any fear when you counted the cost? Well, I think there was, you know, I went, that was part of counting the cost is what's it going to be like if I lose all of those things? Yeah. But it just came to the place that I don't care. I need you more than I need any, anything else. And so I just give you my life. And I just said, do, do to my life what you want. You can send me where you want. You can ask me to do anything, and I'll do it. And we're going to talk about your life. I, I just, I don't know if I've ever told you this story. Um, there was a time where in my life, uh, my marriage was going on the rocks. It was in a horrible place. Um, we... We're not yet adopting, we, you, you know us, we've adopted some kids, um, but we were at that place of beginning adoption and things were falling apart um, and I needed to figure it out. So I went to a spiritual director, went to a counselor, did therapy, did all these kind of things. But it was on a walk when I was praying. I was praying about that, mm -hmm. going, Lord, how's this going to get healed? And I felt like God said, Tom, I'm, I can take everything away. I can take away your mm -hmm. family because our marriage could fall apart. I could take away your ministry. I was doing youth ministry in Ventura. I could take it all away until you trust me. 
and that's when I, like, as you're sharing that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's when I first realized what it was to count the costs. I was already a pastor. I was, already, mm-hmm. I was an ordained pastor. <laughs> and I had never really faced that question mm-hmm. of what it was to count the costs. And I just, and I asked, I asked God, God, what do I need to do? Like, I feel like I'm trying. Because I was trying really hard to please God. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't at the place yet where I knew God was already pleased because of the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to do the work. You had to earn it. I had to earn it. Mm-hmm. And it was a place of surrender. And mm-hmm. I, felt, I finally said, I only want what you want. Mm-hmm. And that was that place where and things changed. It, it was a sense of peace that was radically different than any worship service or time in church had ever given me. Like sometimes, you know, you're in church and yeah. you have that momentary peace. Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas Eve service, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But this was a different level of peace. Mm-hmm. It was a, my life could do anything at this point and I'll be okay. I think it, to me, it's kind of like, I love that old Lipton tea commercial where the guy, it was so hot and he's wiping his brow and then he just spreads his arm out and he falls back. And then as he falls back, there's a swimming pool there that catches him. And that's what it feels like to me. You know, I can let go and God will always catch me no matter what. He has my best at heart. God wants what's best for me. He created me. He knows what's best for me. So I just let go of all the struggles. It's God's problem now, not mine. And that's what it sounds like has been happening since then. Like, like I got this. I wanted to ask you this: Do you deepen in that, like, in your life and your walk with Christ over the years, like the last twenty-something years? Do you feel like it's as simple and yet deeper at this point, or is it? It's always been that deep. Do you grow in that? Do you grow in peace? I, I think, I you know, what I've grown is I just felt, as I've walked out the, the life, I feel more of a mantle of authority that Christ has placed on me. Okay, that's a big word, mantle of authority. Tell me what that means. I know who he is. I know what he's done in my life. And I can tell anybody, if you believe or not, I know what he did for me. That's the kind of authority I'm talking about. Nothing can take that away from me. Yeah. So that that authority is what brings uh, peace. That authority is what brings an assurance mm-hmm. that there's nothing to be afraid of. That there's nothing that God can't or won't do. And whatever happens, you can trust him in that. Yeah, and ahead of time, we talked about, you know, if I go over to Ukraine... Uh, I went over there in 2015 when the war had, was just kind of fresh over in the east of Ukraine. And um, everybody told me, don't come back because it's too dangerous. And my feeling was, my people are there and they can't leave, so why isn't it okay for me to come? And several people said, aren't you afraid? And I said, you know, if I'm in the center of God's will, God has said to go, then whatever happens to me, it's okay. If he takes me home, that's fine. If he doesn't, that's fine too. So I'm okay no matter what happens. I, I remember that back in 2015. I don't know if it was in a, a letter you wrote or something, but that that sense that you had of I'm in the place where God has mm-hmm. me. And if I'm in the place where God has me, no matter what the chaos is, no matter what's happening outside, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. However that lays itself out. 
How have you seen people learn that experience? Like you've done so much work. For those who don't know, God's Hidden Treasures does work with um, folks who are orphaned, um, boys and babies. They also spend time bringing wheelchairs and walkers and canes to people who are disabled in, um, in Ukraine. And they've been doing that for 25 years. And it, it went from holding babies in a, in a home to literally, uh, I think you described it, last time you had a picnic for the disabled, there were 400 different people there and all of that. So this, God has expanded that. How have you seen people experience God's peace? Maybe share a story where you've seen, um, you've seen that happen in someone's life. Like of all the people you've met, maybe once a story where you've seen the, the peace of Christ come into someone's home, there, there was a lack of peace. Mm. Uh, we went to a home with Take a Wheelchair, and it was an older lady, and she was bedridden. And when I walked in, uh, there was a... I don't want to say the religion. There was a lady there from a church that I recognized because they they walk around very downcast and they're pretty much, you know, always telling you what you have to do in order to be a Christian. Uh, so anyway, I sat down and I started talking to the lady and we built a relationship and we got her seated in a wheelchair. And then as we're getting ready to go, I always say, can I pray for you? And when I asked if I could pray, this lady said, well, I read the Bible to her every day. And I said, well, that's wonderful that you read the Bible to her. And she said, yes. And I told her that she, you know, I want you to tell her why she needs God. So I'm sitting there, oh, help me, God. And I said, so I said, well, you know, I said, it's kind of like my young era here. She does something wrong sometimes. And when she does, then she starts building a wall between us. And I, you know, I know that probably in most cases I already know what she did. And I'm just kind of waiting for her to tell me. And I said, this is the problem with God, is we, we do things we know aren't right, and then we think God's going to be mad at us, so we start building a distance between us. Mm. And the problem is if we do that for eternity, then we've lost God. So then I, so I walked over, and I put my hand on the lady. And the lady, I said, what can I pray for you for? And she said, well, before you do, could you tell me? She says, how do I confess? And I said, well, you tell Christ that you're sorry for the things that you did and you want him to come in your life and be your Lord. And I, then I said, okay, so how can I pray for you? And she said, well, just a minute, can I do that now? And I said, <laughs> well, okay. And so she did. And then I said, okay, now how can I pray for you? And she said, well, how do I, how do I become a Christian? What do I do? And so we went through that. And then I said again, well, how can Go through that. Just like if someone's listening right now, they may not know what that is. What would you say to her? Well, it's kind of like, you know, going back and saying, Lord, you know, I believe in you as my Lord and Savior. I need you, mm. and I give you my life. Would you come in and be my Savior and my Lord? So as soon as I said that, I said, okay, now how can I pray for you? And she said, well, wait a minute. Can I do that now? <laughs> and she, you know, this is how God does, though. I mean, it's not my responsibility or the burden on my shoulders. God wanted her to come to him that day, and she did, in spite of my trying to change the subject. That's uh, amazing. Like, like, it's like what you said earlier. She had an emptiness in her, mm -hmm. and she wasn't going to let it go. Like, what your presence, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit being with you, allowed her to say, oh, good, this is my chance. I need to express my deepest need, and that's a need of confession. Almost like the let's just call her the church lady, the one who was there before you, mm -hmm. who read the Bible. The church lady had convinced her that confession was, imp was important, but you were able to show her, to demonstrate what confession was. 
She didn't even know the word. So the church lady was saying, you need to confess. And she's like, I better not tell him, but I don't know what that really means. But God gave you that opportunity just to make it real simple. Well, and I think, too, because we came and we don't ask anything and we just come and we sit and listen and we care for people in a practical way. And I think that opens the door for people want to hear more. Oh, well, talk about that a little bit. Like, tell me, like, what would a typical home visit be like? Like, you just described something super beautiful. We go in and we sit down and, you know, I try to, because I'm there, I can see their physical circumstances. <clears throat> now I want to know what their family life is like. Is there people to help them? What are they going through? So it's a matter of, you know, do you have, if they're older, do you have kids? You know, if they're even older than that, do you have grandkids? And, oh, could you tell me where they live? Now, see, I'm getting a whole picture of is there family close by that can help or are they way far away and that you're all alone and you, you don't have anybody? So we're trying to understand that and then just looking at listening to what kind of job they have had before, what their circumstances were. You have to understand, you go in there and people, they're alone. Nobody really cares. And in walks some people who sit down and listen to them and so, care for them. So it sounds like it's it's unusual for someone to come in. It's un, it's very unusual. It's very unusual. So quite often, we'll get asked the question, "I don't understand why you're here, mm -hmm. and why do you care? Our own people don't care." And it, it's just a natural opportunity to say, "I I know that I'm here because God sent me here, because He loves you and He cares for you, because it's true." So Nita, what you're saying, which is, is somewhat unusual. You're not there for any other reason except to love the person. Exactly. Yeah, to love them with their physical needs, emotional needs, and also spiritual needs. And it's the beginning of a long-term relationship. So all of our people that we bring mobility aids to, that we talk to, we're involved with them as long as they're alive. They're a part of our lives. And, and we call them on the phone. We do follow-up home visits. How, again, like... How did you how did you learn that? How did you know to do that? Because God is a God of relationships. So how am I going to have a relationship if I just go one time and then say goodbye? So I want to keep in touch with them. I'm interested in their life just like God's interested in mine. Yeah. So so spending time being with helps them to see who Christ is. It's not a matter of, like, let's just say the church lady. It's not a matter of the church lady saying, confess to the church and everything's fine. You have your confession. What you are doing and what the gospel is, is entering into someone's life out of love for the long term to be with them. And that's where peace is experienced. First, maybe with the human person, like, wow, this person's amazing. But then they realize, like, they ask you the question, why are you here? And I love how you said it. I'm not here because I'm amazing. I'm here because God loves me and God also loves you. Mm -hmm. That, Yeah, just the ability to express that. Yep. And it's just, you know, it's just an easy matter of just following and doing what Jesus did. He went to the people. He entered their lives, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He, how often did he say, what do you need? So he met practical needs, and that's what we do. We find out what they need, and we try to practically help I wish everyone would follow the pattern of Jesus. Oh, awesome. That would be. <laughs> You'd have a very different world. Oh, my gosh. So we're, we're going to keep this conversation going. We're going to, I think our time is over right now. 
Um, but when we come back, I want to explore more with you about the idea of surrendering and what you've been learning with the war in Ukraine in terms of surrender and those types of things and, and how that has impacted the ministry. Um, and then what has happened to all those folks that you've cared for, like the folks who God's hidden treasure has been watching mm -hmm. over during, during this war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And that's what we'll do next time. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks for this time. And uh, thank you for listening to Door to Peace. We'll be back next time um, for part two with Nita Hansen. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. Please visit our website at www.doortopeace.com for more information on how to discover a life of peace through Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you.